covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. And we welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thank you so much for being uh, tuned in as we are now a week into the season and we will spend some time today looking back at that first week of the season. You might be able to tell my voice is not exactly 100%. I am fighting a cold, so this is going to be one of those shows where we focus a little bit more on our guest on the program than me. You don't have to hear all this as we go along throughout the course of the program today as uh, we've got two great guests coming on. Kyle Lesneski, who is the managing editor of Brew Crew Ball, will uh, come on. And also Greg Young, the broadcaster for the Carolina Mudcats, who are in their first season as the high-A affiliate of the Brewers, who just got their season started. They will both be joining us this week. We are a week into the season as we record this on Sunday night. Seven games in the books, and so far the Brewers have struggled a bit. They're 2-5. and five. They lose three out of four to the Rockies, then they lose two out of three to the Cubs. And I think the startling thing, again, it's very early on in the season. There's going to be teams that start two and five that have perfectly good seasons that make it into the postseason. But some of the startling things here in the first week of the year are some of the issues from last year are continuing to exist this year. The defense has not been fantastic. And We had heard that this was going to be a much better defensive team this year than last year after they were the worst team in the National League from a fielding percentage. Now, there's been plays this year that have not been ruled errors, but they've left some defensive plays on the table this year, and uh, that's uh, uh, that's been at times disappointing. And then the number of strikeouts as well. This is a team that has uh, already struck out 81 times to get the season going. 81 times out of their 228 at bats have been uh, have been strikeouts, and, and that's just that's a few too many. Actually, uh, some would argue that it's a lot too many. But when you do the math there of their their striking out with the strikeout to at bat ratio, that's 35% of the at bats that are finishing in strikeouts. So we're going to try on the program today not to be overly negative. Uh, It's only seven games. It's the start of the season. There's still a lot of reasons to be very optimistic about this team. But if we're sitting here and we're being completely honest about things, it was not the start to the season that uh, that they were hoping for as uh, they are sitting at 2-5. and five. They will have an off day on Monday before they hit the road for the first time and playing at Toronto coming up on Tuesday. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. Headlines of the week, a lot of this has to do with uh, injuries and transactions. The big injury happened on opening day when Junior Guerra uh, hurts his calf and uh, when he was trying to come out of the batter's box. The good news is he's not going to be out all that long, meaning half the season or, or the whole season, but he is going to miss a significant amount of time as uh, he is expected to miss about a month and a half. That puts a lot of pressure on some other folks. Uh, Tommy Malone gets moved into the rotation. He was not especially good in his first start. He's going to get at least one more start. You still have Matt Garza who's coming back from injury, and if uh, Malone does not get significantly better working on the rotation, you can bet that 
Garza will be moved into that spot before uh, Junior Guerra gets uh, gets back in. Uh, Brent Suter was called up after Junior Guerra got hurt, but he was sent right back down. Uh, Taylor Youngman was sent down after he was uh, struggling a bit. He gets sent down to Double A Biloxi, not Triple A Colorado Springs. He has struggled at Colorado Springs and has openly spoken about how much he does not like pitching there. So they send him to Double A Biloxi as well. He's going to be stretched out as a starter, though. So that's another uh, insurance policy that you that you might have, depending on what happens with that number five spot, whether it's Tommy Malone, Matt Garza, whoever it might be. Taylor Youngman is going to be stretched down as a starter at Double uh, A Biloxi. They acquire Nick Franklin off waivers. He had a big start to his Brewers career as uh, he hit a home run uh, in his first game that he was playing, and uh, he was in for Ryan Braun. Braun missing a game with lower back tightness on Saturday. However, he was back in the lineup on Sunday. And they bring up David Goforth. They had to put him back onto the 40-man roster. They did that because, quite honestly, the starting pitchers have not been going deep into games. The bullpen has been taxed beyond belief, and they needed to get a fresh arm, and they felt most comfortable with David Goforth. The price of that was designating Damian Magnifico, taking him off the 40-man roster to get Goforth on. No word yet, but there certainly is a chance that Magnifico gets claimed by another team. So sometimes the circumstances of a season can cost you, and uh, seemingly that's what happened there. As they needed to bring somebody up, they needed a 40-man spot for uh, David Goforth. And Damian Magnifico ends up being the one who's designated for assignment and his future in the organization unknown at this point in time. And those are this week's Headlines of the Week. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, does continue on. It is time for our Social Media Roundtable. Very happy to uh, welcome in right now Kyle Lesneski. He's the managing editor of Brew Crew Ball, joining us again here on the program. Kyle, appreciate you taking a few moments. How are you doing today? Uh, other than watching the Brewers lose today, I'm doing pretty well. Hard not to uh, enjoy a day like this with the great weather that we've had. Yeah, we recorded this on Sunday night, and we're one week into the season for the Brewers. They sit with a record of 2-5. and five. They lose 3 out of 4 to the Rockies. They lose 2 out of 3 to the Cubs. And now Monday is an off day before they hit the road for the first time this season. What are your uh, general thoughts about the first week of the season? Um, well, they've at least been mostly competitive in all the games outside of maybe uh, not today's game, but yesterday's game where they were down eleven to four and ended up getting it to eleven to six in the in the top or in the bottom of the ninth. But other than that, it, you know, at least most of them have been close games. Uh, they could have probably pulled a couple other games against the Rockies if they you know would have gotten a couple breaks that went their their way. But um, they're certainly not doing a whole lot of them or a whole lot of favors for themselves. Um, in the field, the fielding's been a little bit sloppy, which is kind of concerning, especially considering that, you know, one of the things that we heard about all winter was how improved this infield defense is going to be with the alignment of um, VR at second base and our NRC at shortstop. And, you know, we still kind of have yet to see that start to pay off. And uh, certainly the high amount of strikeouts have been a little bit concerning. Um, you know, strikeouts. At, to a point, aren't necessarily a bad thing, but when you're striking out in 30, 35% of your total at bat so far, which I think the Blues are right around in that range, um, you know, there's there's certainly going to be some issues pushing some runs across at, at the right times there. 
Um, but it's nice to see guys like Travis Shaw and Eric Sainz get off to good starts. Um, it's definitely been encouraging to see those guys, you know, kind of hit the ground running in Milwaukee because I know a lot of people were wary about how those guys were going to fit into the lineup and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, hopefully they're just uh, providing some glimpses that they will be, be able to be guys that we can count on as the year goes on. You just said a lot, and we'll dive into a lot of the things you just mentioned, but uh, let's start with the positive. And, and you mentioned uh, Travis Shaw and Eric Thames, and let me throw Jesus Aguilar in there as well. Those are three new guys who are all performing well. Do you find it interesting that you know the new guys have started off pretty strong, but a number of the players who are back from last year, whether it's a, um, a Jonathan VR, a Domingo Santana, a Kirk Neuenheis, those guys seem to be uh, not getting off to quite the hot start that the new guys are? Um, I, I, I don't know that at this point it's something that we should really read into all that much yet. I mean, you know, we've only seen seven games worth of action. And, and even when you do look at the, at the, that DR and, or that, um, Shaw and Thames and Aguilar are getting off to, you know, there's still some, some things, uh, both Shaw and, um, Thames have relatively high strikeout rates at this time. So, you know, it, it could be, you know, getting a lucky bounce here, lucky bounce there, that kind of stuff, um, same thing with, you know, some guys like uh, Bruns, Bruns hitting, hit into a lot of hard outs and his numbers could look a little bit better than they are. And um, VR is really the only guy at this point that I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about just because of the, you know, extremely high volume of strikeout thing. He's striking out in something like 50% of his at-bats so far this year. But um, beyond that, I, I, I'm trying not to get too worked up about any any of the starts whether it's good or bad you know it's certainly encouraging like i said to see some of these guys getting off to good starts in their uh, first seasons in milwaukee but you know i'm not i'm not ready to say that eric sames and travis chard you know lock down all stars and stuff like that so we'll just kind of have to see how it plays out here over the next few weeks as we as we get a little bit deeper into the season's first month here but uh, like I said, you know, it's definitely nice to at least see some positive returns on a couple of the guys that the Brewers went out and targeted and brought in Milwaukee this winter. It is, though, kind of a weird time of the season because, you know, it's early on and we want to evaluate this team, but we only have seven games to go off of. And unfortunately, there's probably more negatives than positives in those first seven games. So we can sit there and talk about the strikeouts, talk about the fielding and everything. And you can say, well, it's only seven games. It's a small sample size. We'll see where they're at in a month or so. But at the, at the same time, it's all we have to, uh, to evaluate this team on so far. Right, and I absolutely agree with you, too. I remember um, last year through the first few weeks of the season, um, one of the big topics that uh, we were covering on Brooklyn Ball was the awful start that Aaron Hill had gotten off to and how long are they? How long of a leash are they going to give this guy and you know, maybe they would be better off just cutting him loose and, and putting a prospect or somebody up at third base and then all of a sudden, you know, three, four weeks into the season, Aaron Hill has that three-home run game. He goes on and is lights out during May and June, and then they end up dealing in the beginning of July and getting a couple of prospects. So when I think about trying not to get too wrapped up in, in poor starts and small sample sizes and stuff like that, to me that's the first the first good example that jumps out in my mind, given that it was so recent just last season that Aaron Hill was hitting something like 133 through the first first month of the season, and then all of a sudden he was – you know, one of the hottest hitters in baseball and actually ended up 
netting a decent haul of prospects at the, at the trade deadline last year. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up Aaron Hill because this is something that I don't think a lot of people have mentioned when you think about all the dominoes. So Travis Shaw is in Boston at third. He's basically playing there every day. Aaron Hill gets traded there. He kind of takes his job in a way. I mean, Shaw was still getting playing time, but he certainly took some playing time away. Then you fast forward to this year. Shaw comes to the Brewers, and Aaron Hill wasn't even guaranteed of a roster spot. Uh, he makes the team in San Francisco, but uh, just just weird how all those dominoes end up falling and kind of the interconnectedness between Hill and Shaw. Right. It's, just, it's one of those things in baseball that, um, you know, you really kind of take for granted sometimes how a guy – how a guy performs in any given season, but in all actuality, every year these guys are fighting for jobs, and you never know how a player is going to perform on a year-to-year basis, and, and it's really hard to you know, want to invest into these huge contracts and invest into these big-money guarantees because there's so much variance. Um, even, even in a guy, you know, you sign a guy like Justin Upton last year for the Tigers, they gave him a $125 million contract, and he had that big long track record in, or in previous before he got to the Tigers, and then all of a sudden he comes out and you know he's only about a league average a league average hitter, and he's really not worth that twenty five million dollars that he's getting. So you know, like I said, it's it's easy to kind of take for granted these performances, the good and the bad. You know, you see Travis Shaw last year hitting two forty, about a three hundred on or a three hundred on base percentage, and then. You know, he comes out and he looks almost like a different hitter at the, these first um, this first week here at Miller Park. So, you know, you never know when a guy is going to make adjustments. You never know when something's going to click for somebody. And it's just really interesting to see the progression and, you know, how these guys develop and adjust throughout each season and throughout their careers. Jonathan VR, it's it's been a tough start for him. I'm not I'm not as worried about him at the plate. I know the strikeouts are are, are higher than you want him to be. I think he's going to be fine at the plate, but he doesn't look good at second base, and he should look better. Just having the experience at shortstop, yeah, there's going to be some things, whether it's turning double plays or whatever, that you you might have a little bit of issue for a while making the move to second base, but he's making some mistakes out there. There's times where you know just the transfer from the glove to the ball to the throwing hand are having issues. What uh, What's your takeaway on Jonathan VR and his, um, his not-so-strong defensive start in the first uh, week of the season? Yeah, when you look at a when you look at a guy like Dr. I mean, seeing him play, he has all the tools to be a great defender in the field. He's got great range. He, you know, can get quick jumps on balls off the bat. He's got a rocket throwing arm. But sometimes it just you know seems almost like he's not fully connected with with what's going on in the game, and he makes you know some of those mental mistakes. And I hate I hate talking about stuff like that, but you know, like you said, it, it's stuff fundamental kind of stuff that, that he's been goofing up on in, in the first week of the season here. And I mean, there, there's going to be a transition period coming off a shortstop and moving across the, moving across the infield, to second base. It's not a position he's played a whole lot of in his career, but it, it's not the things that he's having issues with aren't necessarily the, you know, making reads on the second base side of the bag and stuff like that. Like, like you said, it's, it's making the transfers and knowing when to throw and when not to throw and, and stuff like that. And that's kind of been the part that's been a little bit discouraging to see to me. And I, I'm really hoping that, you know, I, we've seen already this week that uh, Orlando Garcia has kind of taken a seat for a couple of games. He's had a little bit of struggles here 
in the early going hasn't exactly been, you know, the lights out defender in the first week here that we'd like to see. And Hernan Perez has taken a couple of starts at shortstop this week. I guess I wouldn't necessarily be surprised to maybe see uh, Jonathan VR get a couple of mental health days here in the in the upcoming couple of weeks if he can't start getting this stuff squared away a little bit better because. I mean, they they got to tighten things up on on defense because it's just it's really hurting the pitching staff and not not helping those pitch counts at all. Is that a tough love message to Arcia because he he doesn't start twice and then there's another game where he gets double switched out of the game really really early. I mean, over the last two games he's only played I think four innings, five innings, something like that. Uh, is is Craig Council trying to send a message? Um, I I don't have a, a um. You know, I don't have that connection in the clubhouse, but from an outsider's perspective, you know, it, it certainly seems like he's trying to send him some kind of message there. I mean, they they kind of talked about all winter how Arcia was going to have this long leash at, at shortstop and try and get his offensive game figured out because that's everybody that, that's always been the biggest concern with Arcia is you know, always oh, he's got this his this Gold Glove caliber defense, but is he going to be able to hit enough? Well, so far in the first week of the season here, his hitting hasn't really been what's held him back it's you know been making some of these routine plays here and there he hasn't looked exactly great on defense and if if he's not going to be a great defensive shortstop then the overall profile looks a lot less promising so you know maybe it's one of those things you just kind of got to rein him in and and get that focus where it needs to be but um, it, it's certainly discouraging to see that kind of stuff already happening here in in the first week of the season. And um, I like Craig Council, and Craig Council seems like you know he's got a good pulse on the clubhouse, and you know seems like he he should be a good guy to be able to get um, get all this kind of stuff figured out. So hopefully, you know he's got the players here, and he he's letting them know what his expectations are, and giving giving these guys some level of accountability here and you know maybe that's what we're seeing here this first week of the season with Arcia kind of taking the back seat a little bit. Zach Davies struggled in his first start and then on Sunday gives up five runs in his first two innings but really locks in after that only allows one base runner in innings three four and five and battles through. Do you look at Sunday's game and do you take the perspective of being frustrated about the overall line of five runs and five innings or are you encouraged by the fact that something seems seemingly clicked from the third inning on. Well, given the way that he really struggled with his command in this it, overall in his first start, and especially in these in the first couple innings today, it, I would say that it was encouraging to see him, you know, kind of buckle down after that after that third inning and at least get the Brewers through five innings. The way that their um, their bullpen has been so beleaguered this first week of the season, the bullpen leads the major leagues in innings pitched. Um, so Zach Davies was one of those guys that they were counting on at the beginning of the season who's going to be a solid performer and be able to eat some good innings for him. And, you know, he, he didn't look like that, obviously, in his first start. And, you know, I was pretty pretty worried to see the start that he got off to today. But it was definitely nice to see him buckle down, um, start finding that the command of his off-speed pitches. The, the way that Zach Davies throws, he's got such a fine, a fine line for margin of error if he's not right on with his command, he's he's got really hittable stuff. So he's got to be right around those edges of the strike zone, and, and he was able to start finding those spots later on in the game, and hopefully, like, after we saw after his first three starts last year when he struggled, and then all of a sudden he turned it on when the calendar turned over to May, hopefully that's what we're going to see here now. He just kind of 
found something mechanical maybe that clicked in the middle of this game, made that adjustment, and hopefully going forward now we'll be able to count on a little bit more state performance. Let's finish with something uh, on on a more positive note. Friday night in that win against the Cubs, they're able to induce double plays in the tenth and eleventh innings. They just they found a way to win that game. And I always say, good teams find ways to win games that they can easily lose. And they could have easily lost that game. How promising is it that they were able to win a game like that? They quite honestly, I, I'm pretty sure they would not have won that game in the first half of last season, and they might not have won a period. That game is one of those games that kind of gives you hope that you know this this first week isn't going to be typical for what we're going to see for the rest of the season going forward because they played a lot of really good defense in that game and I've been really surprised I you know Jesus Aguilar had a, a pretty strong minor league track record at, at the plate coming up and we kind of knew what to expect or what we were going to hope to expect from his bat he's been a lot better than, than I've seen scouting reports on, on defense for him. And I was really, I was at the game on um, Friday evening and I was really impressed with the plays that he was making, picking over at first base. That guy can, that guy can really do some work with the glove. Um, NBR made a couple of nice plays. RCA made a couple of nice plays that game. Um, Jared Hughes came in and did exactly what they signed him to do, come in and get ground balls. He's not going to be a guy that's going to miss Missed many bats. His control is not that great, but you know he gets a lot of balls on the ground, and you know he was able to get them when the Brewers needed them. And then you know just battling back in that bottom of the eleventh inning, getting the bases loaded, and you know it's pretty crazy to see the game end on a wild pitch like that. Yeah. But I got a feeling that um, if it hadn't ended like that, somebody would have been able to lift the ball to the outfield to at least get a sack. Five just played as the momentum was going in that game. So, like I said, it's. Definitely, definitely one of those games that gives you hope that you know we'll maybe see a couple more five and two weeks instead of a, a consistent string of these two and five weeks. But um, those are the games that you want to see more of the, those competitive Brewers games uh, throughout the course of the season. So hopefully that's uh, that's where things are going to start heading this week. You can read great coverage of the Brewers at Brew Crew Ball. That's brewcrewball.com. They're part of the uh, SB Nation network. Uh, also follow them on Twitter uh, at Brew Crew Ball. Kyle Lesneski is the managing editor. Kyle, thanks so much for your time. We'll get you back on uh, very soon. Yeah, sounds great. I appreciate the opportunity. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, does continue. And right now, it is time to go down on the farm. And we're very happy to be able to welcome in the uh, broadcaster. He's the uh, broadcaster and director of media relations for the Carolina Mudcats, the high A affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. That is Greg Young. Greg, thanks for taking some time. How are you doing? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing all right, uh, all things considered. So where are you at right now as we speak to you through the, the travels of the minor leagues? We are in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. Home of the Blue Rocks. Yes, sir. All yeah, right. not too far from Philadelphia. Very good. Uh, what's the uh, What's the first season of the Mudcats and uh, Milwaukee Brewers relationship officially being on the field? What's it been like? Uh, it's been good so far. Uh, we've only played three games. The opening night was postponed because of rain. We'll have a lot of that, unfortunately, it's just the way it goes in the Carolina League. But uh, things opened on Friday. 
Uh, they scored a ton of runs. They did lose a huge lead, but uh, other than that, it was still exciting and fun to watch. And uh, for the, the second game of the season on Friday, I uh, just ran into some tough pitching, but uh, earlier here today, I'm sorry, on Saturday, uh, but earlier here today, uh, another good win. So uh, it's been good so far. His team is uh, exciting. Uh, a lot of lot of really good talent, obviously. When you look at it on paper, you know, the, the, the numbers speak for themselves in regard to prospect rankings and what have you. But other than that, I mean, these guys, they, they seem to really care about one another and about the team game, the team aspect of it all. Um, you know, I, I just, it just a casual observation in watching them a couple nights ago uh, when they were putting together a rally and everything, the, the way that they were interacting with one another, say, after a double, and the way the guy would look back at the dugout and point and clap and, uh, you know, pound the helmet and, and what have you, it, it reminded me a lot of watching the World Baseball Classic. There was a passion that was being played that I just had, uh, kind of wasn't really expecting it. Not something that I'd seen really from a league team like that, but these guys, they have it. There's something about them, and uh, it's, it's been good. We're recording this interview on uh, Sunday night. Uh, the Carolina Mudcats take two out of three from Frederick. They'll play uh, three games in Wilmington before they open up their uh, home portion of their season uh, coming up on Thursday night when they have uh, Frederick once again. We're talking with uh, Greg Young, their broadcaster. Let's go to that first game of the season. Uh, the team had a 10 nothing lead. That dissipates to 10-10, and then eventually uh, they win 15-11. It's... It's pretty impressive to blow a ten nothing lead and still win that game, right? Yes, absolutely. It, uh, uh, it came out of nowhere. It, one of the things it, about the Carolina League is is that it, it tends to be very pitcher friendly, except the ballpark in Frederick, and we don't know yet about Bowie's Creek, the, the new park. It, they're they're going to be playing at Campbell University down in uh, North Carolina, and then uh with Kinston, I haven't been to Granger Stadium yet, so I can't really speak to those particular ballparks, but the rest of this league, including Wilmington, which is where they'll start playing on Monday, uh very, very pitcher friendly. Frederick is the opposite. It's very hitter friendly and uh leads aren't safe there, you know, and, and the ball flies. It was very windy that night. It was cold, uh but very windy so the ball carried extremely well. And uh, you know, it just it, it kind of slipped away for uh Jonathan Olzak. Uh, who was in there in Colton Cross, just uh, one too many hits. Uh, Cross, it was the walks thing that hurt him. Uh, Olzak might have got squeezed on, on one particular pitch that, that helped the inning continue on, and he thought he had strike three. It, it just kind of uh, fell apart from there after that, after what ended up being a walk. He lost the guy in a 3-2 pitch with two outs, and the inning continued. But, uh, yeah, it was a 9 run rally for the Keys. You won't see that a lot in this league, but at that particular ballpark, it, it does happen from time to time. But, uh, you know, these guys, with, with the offense, the way that it's set up and as deep as the lineup is right now, you know, I don't think these guys are going to be out of really any game. And I don't think there are going to be many times where they're going to be overmatched to the point where they just can't get anything going. So to see them come back, um, with the way that they were assuming about earlier in that game, it really wasn't a surprise that they were going to score again or that they did score again. You just kind of knew it was going to happen. And uh, it's a matter of whether or not they could get the pitching to, to stop Frederick. And eventually they did. And, uh, and and pulled out that opening night win. A number of prospects on the team, and I fully understand there's only been three games, so you, you only know so much about guys, but uh, I, I wouldn't be doing my job if I don't ask you about some of them. So let's start with Hassan Diaz. Through three games, he's hitting uh, 385. He's driven in a few runs. He's uh, scored a few runs, and um, he's been playing, uh, I, I believe he's been playing all shortstop. He had three games at shortstop. What's been your takeaway so far on Diaz? Uh, very good, very polished. 
um, you know, very calm. You could tell that he has kind of a, a presence about him where I think he has a, a good feel for um, his tool set, I guess, if that makes any sense. You know, I think he kind of knows what he can do out there and, uh, and, and how to, to tap into that. Um, you know, he, he struck out a few times in the second game of the season, but the pitcher that was going for the keys, uh, Cody Sebok, was just dialed in, and everything he was throwing was around the zone. His breaking stuff was unbelievable. He was changing planes, so, uh, you know, changing the, the, the hitter's view up and, up and down to the zone. And, and the guys who were having a hard time, I guess, uh, adjusting. So uh, that's really the only time where, where he had looked like he just didn't have it that, that one particular day, but they had the two games other than that. And, and, and like you said, it, it's a small sample size. It's only three games, but, you know, he's, he, he's got a good cut. Uh, good command, I think, at the zone. Uh, he doesn't really chase. Uh, he went the other way for the first time uh, today. He had a double. The center field is very first at bat and uh, drove in a run that day. That was in the first inning. It was a six-run first inning on opening night uh, there on Friday. Um, you know, and then defensively, yeah, he's just a wizard. I mean, today he, he he turned a double play where it was a ball up the middle that he grabbed on a backhand. And, yeah, he, and like I said, he, he just kind of has this – kind of look to where he, he just knows where he is, what he's doing at any particular moment. He doesn't seem overwhelmed. Uh, rather than try and rush himself and uh, try and turn to second base to, to try and get a toss off of Wendell Rio, who was covering second on this double play turn, he just planted his foot, uh, or planted his knee, I should say, into the dirt, held his ground there for a second, and backhand flipped it like it was nothing. Right on target, nice hard toss to Rio. Rio turned it over to first. It was a double play, and it was a big part of the game, too, because the keys were just starting to find a little bit of momentum in that that shut it down, and uh, yeah, he's he's looked really good, um, and uh, you know, it, it, real good guy to talk to too. Real good kid seems to to really have a, again, like I said, kind of a good feel of, of who he is and, and what he wants to do out there. A lot of Brewers fans are excited about Lucas Ersig after he really contributed at the big league level during the course of uh, spring training. Uh, he has started the season out four of fourteen. Same question about him. Takeaways from him through the first three games. Same thing, you know. He, uh, I talked to actually hitting uh, coach Dave Joppe about uh, those two in particular today, and uh, you know he said something that that I kind of mentioned on the broadcast a couple nights ago about about Ersig and that you know he, he's a grinder. I mean, he, he's a baseball player, and he's a guy that really loves the game. You know, there some guys that you're you're around, and and you know they're 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 getting their work in, they're kind of going through their emotions a little bit. This guy's having fun every single moment, and and it's only been three days. Uh, you know, like you said, and, and, and I mentioned there, but it uh, still, it's it's been fun to, to see someone care so passionately about what they're doing out there, and then have it translate into the way that he plays and the way that you know uh, the results are coming in for him. Uh, he uh, he went the other way with his first uh, first hit of the year. Uh, I think he might have pulled one uh, down the, the right field line today, but a uh, line drive hitter. I you know he hasn't had. Maybe the soaring drives yet that some of the others have had, but they're going to come with the way I think that, that he keeps the bat level to the zone. He's going to hit a lot of, a lot, a lot of line drives, and eventually the ball's going to get a little bit more lift for him. He's going to start crushing them, like he did, obviously, in spring training. I mean, everybody has seen those videos of the home runs that he hit there uh, for Milwaukee there in those big league spring training games. But he's just got a, a great presence about him. He's a hardcore baseball player and uh, feels a great third base from what I've seen so far, really good hands. Uh, very good arm, uh, but uh, uh, very passionate and dialed in, and, and he's 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 exciting to, to watch, and I think he's just kind of a, an excitable guy to, to be around too. 
it's always interesting to have these conversations just a few games in because we know that hot starts and slow starts can turn around very quickly. But Luis Avilas is the guy whose name is just jumping off the page. And here's a guy who last year at low A hit 239. The year before that was at 195 uh, in Wisconsin. And you look through his first uh, three games, he's hitting 6 for 11, 545. He has a home run. He has five RBIs. Uh, he's slugging 1,000 right now. He has an OPS uh, about you know 1.643. Uh, is there not that he's going to keep up these kind of numbers, but is is there a chance that he has a bit of an offensive breakthrough this year? Well, you know, I, a lot, of, not a lot of that, but some of that is you know taking advantage of being in a hitter's ballpark to start the season. Uh, you know, a lot of those hitters, three of those hits came on opening night. He had three steals that night too, which was incredible. We didn't have a guy collect that many in the game at all all of last season. Uh, but uh, you know, he's. I think for him, and I think for some of the other guys in the lineup right now, uh, I, I think just the, you know, hitting is contagious. And I think when you're around guys uh, like an Ursig, uh, 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 like a like a Diaz, you know, I think you, you see their approach, and I think you try and, and mimic it to the best of your ability, or maybe you just feed off of it. And I think he's a guy that's going to take advantage of that, you know. Um, the guys were aggressive that first night. They just happened to... to to really find a groove early. They knocked the starter for the keys out of the game in the first inning. Uh, that helped a lot because they got to, to what Dave Joppe called today the, the soft underbelly, I guess, of the, the bullpen. Uh, not about the keys in particular. It was just kind of a, a, a thought in general about the bullpen, I guess, or bullpens. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just, a, like I said, a matter of, you know, maybe hitting is contagious. And I'll try and catch up with, with manager A-Roll, too, and just see what, what he thinks. You know, I mean, it, it Avilis was was swinging a good bat that first day. Looked really good today again, and uh, you know we'll see if he can keep it up. Speaking of the Sunday game, Cody Ponce goes out and pitches uh, really well. Seven innings, gives up just four hits, five strikeouts, no walks. Uh, there's excitement about him within the organization as well. What was he doing to be so effective? Just throwing strikes. You know, he he wasn't getting behind. He was ahead and. And a lot of the at bats, I, I haven't gone back and looked at it all the way through just to see how many times that he got out in front to start. But I venture to guess it was more easily more than half that he started out with the strike and got ahead of guys. He was always pitching ahead. It seemed like he didn't get into a three ball count. I think until like the, the fifth inning, I, I looked down and he was all of a sudden it was a it was a three two count and, and he was very close to walking the guy and uh, they ended up getting uh, whoever it was out. I think on a ground out, but um, you know. It, Maybe the keys are being aggressive. I don't know, but I think he was just throwing strikes. He was challenging them to put the ball in play. When they did, the defense made plays. Uh, the only error today was the the one by Diaz. It was just, it was a liner that kind of tricked him a little bit. I think he was expecting it to carry hard enough and far enough to get maybe about chest high to him, and all of a sudden it had enough top spin on it where it did duck down in front of him, turning into what could have been a routine grounder if he was able to charge it at all. Uh, but it ended up being that it kicked away. So that was the only error of the ball game. And that was the only time that the defense seemed to have any kind of issue whatsoever and, and, uh, and, and making a play behind Ponce. But he was great. He'd thrown a lot of strikes, um, you know, was, was very efficient, uh, just didn't really make any mistakes. And, you know, with that, it, and it kept the ball down, too. There, there weren't a whole lot of soaring deep drives at all today. A lot of ground outs, and uh, it, it, it looked really good, really good. 
We are talking with uh, Greg Young, the broadcaster for the Carolina Mudcats, the high-A affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. Your guys' manager is Joe Aralt, and again, with the uh, transition going into the Brewers, I know everybody on the staff and everything is, and it's uh, it's different. What have you uh, What have you learned from, and what kind of manager is Aralt? He's uh, he's uh, exciting. I guess is the the best way to put it. I had two people reach out to me when uh, it was announced the Brewers were going to be our. Uh, new parent club, just about manager A. Rolf and, and, and the kind of manager that he was. It was two other broadcasters, and they said, get ready because you're in for a wild ride. And uh, he's uh, he's intense, but he has fun. Uh, the guys feed off of that. It's it's a loose bunch, um, and, and because of the, the way that, that he manages. But I know that he's really excited about these guys. I caught up with him on opening nights to get his general thoughts on the club. And you know, he said that uh, you know that on paper, obviously, there's some big names that are there. Uh, but it's an exciting bunch. They, they play well together, and uh, you know he's he's looking forward. I think to seeing how they they continue to grow throughout the year. Um, you know, I think he's just going to try and point these guys in the right direction and uh, just uh, see what they can do. You know, he's eager. I think to see what he has uh, as far as the, the the talent and if these guys can really live up to the the uh, I guess the the hype, if you will. You know, there there's some big names on this team. Minor League Baseball said, you know, it's, it's one of the, the top five or six, I think, teams in, in Minor League Baseball in regard to uh, the prospects that are here. You know, they, they, they label them as a, as a stacked group. Uh, the Brewers system in general had a couple of teams on what was their, their top list of stacked teams prospect-wise. So uh, these guys have a lot to live up to. Like I said, they have fun, and I think they have fun because of their skipper, manager Aroff, like that. And um, I, it's going to be an exciting season with him. I'm looking forward to seeing them kind of interact with our fans at home. He's, he's a big outdoorsman, and uh, we have some really good fishing spots around our place, so I think he's looking forward to that, and it'll be fun to, to kind of see him uh, you know, enjoy himself in that regard, too, uh, back at home and, and with some of our fans there in Zagadland. After the series in Wilmington, you return home to open up uh, Five County Stadium for the year coming up on uh, Thursday night. What's, uh, what is opening day like for the Carolina Mudcats? You know what? Uh, this is my third year. My first year we opened at home, and uh, opening night was very cold. It was also very wet. It was raining that night. Uh, so that wasn't the greatest of experiences uh, when we officially opened at home that, that first season. Uh, matter of fact, the team was no hit that, that night. So that was, that was a tough one. But uh, uh, no, opening night is always fun, no matter where you are, no matter what the conditions are. When we opened up on Friday in Frederick, it was a, you know, a fun atmosphere, and I think we're going to have the same thing in our place. Uh, we're actually going to spend a big part of the weekend kind of celebrating the new relationship with the Brewers. So we'll, we'll kind of make it as much as we can, I guess, our, our ballpark Brewers uh, influence. And, uh, you know, everything we have is fed. So we'll mix in the blue wherever we can to, to try and fit that in there. But um, it's going to be a good time. we got a great fan base, some fans that, that really, really care about baseball, that they're really smart baseball fans. And uh, I know a lot of them are very excited not in particular about this group of players. I think they're excited about any group of players that they get, but they're just excited about baseball. And they're excited about the Brewers being a part of it here. And um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and uh, I think these guys will really enjoy playing at our place. You know, it's a ballpark where uh, on certain days the ball carries really well. Some days it doesn't. But I think with this particular group and the number of power lefties that we have, I think it's a good chance they could do some damage there in the short porch and right. Um, and I, I think it's going to be... Uh, just a, a lot of fun to, to see them get used to playing at Five County Stadium and and uh, really 
also find the gaps there and, and get off and run. It's going to be, I think, fun to see a guy like Jake Gatewood who, who runs well for his size, see what he can do getting balls down the line. Same thing with Weston Wilson. You know, those guys, seeing them get out and running a little bit. Troy Stokes Jr., too, he uh, put out some good swings, and Frederick had a good series nearby his hometown there in Columbia. So, uh, you know, it'd be good to see these guys at our place and see what they can do and do some damage there at Five County. I know you've been on the road. I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but you talk about celebrating the uh, the relationship with the Brewers. What kinds of things are, are is the organization trying to do on opening weekend? You know, uh, just um, uh, various on-field games and what have you that we'll, we'll try and, I guess, uh, make it as much like uh, the Brewers' experience as possible. But uh, a lot of the, 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 the presence in the video board will be Brewers-inspired. Um, I think we've efforted to, to try and get a, a former player out. I don't know the, the final details on that, uh, if it's going to happen or not, or who that might have been. But uh, our promotion staff does a really good job of, of having fun. You know, that's kind of what the Mudcats have been known for for a long time. They were one of the first, I think, minor league teams really to, number one, you know, put together the brand of a goofy-looking catfish, obviously, here with the Mudcats. But, uh, you know, to adopt that and, and have fun with, uh, the, the the logo and, and the look and, and, and the feel of the game. So, uh, you know, we, we do our best to put on a good show uh, there at the at Five County Stadium, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try and steer it more towards a, a brewer-friendly atmosphere, I guess, for uh, for the fans hall at home, just so that they know that you know it's a new era for us, and and, and we're excited about it. They should be too, and. Uh, we're going to take full advantage if we can of, of the, the great young talent that's coming through this system. You got to get the racing sausages out there at some point, right? We'll do we'll do what we can. You know, we we have done similar races in the past, but uh, we don't. I I know we have a hot dog suit. I know we have a, a, a banana suit as well. That's actually, I think, the it's uh, surprisingly, I think, a Halloween costume that uh, our grounds, uh, our head groundsman. Uh, I'm sorry, our, our stadium ops person, Cameron Olson. I think I mentioned him last time too. He's a huge Brewers fan. He he's busted out that costume and they've done some races like that. So maybe we will. I don't know. I'll have to ask and find out, or I'll wait and see. But uh, we could have something like that if it works. If folks want to tune in to what you guys have going on, what's the best way to uh, listen or watch the broadcast? Well, you can do both. Um, our, our radio broadcast is, is available via TuneIn Radio and the, and the Mudcast website, carolinamudcast.com, just like it is for most minor league baseball teams. We also stream our games live via MILB TV, so if you have the, the online subscription, you can watch games there. The online radio broadcast is streamed through that. You get uh, both the, the video and the online audio, uh, but uh, yeah, we're uh, it's uh, we put on a good show as far as the video is concerned. We treat it as much of like a TV broadcast as we possibly can, so uh, that'd be a good way to, to, to check it out. And, and, and again, yeah, the online audio, CarolinaMudcast.com, best way to find us. Well, people should know you guys. We're, we're recording this again on Sunday night. You played a game earlier today. You then traveled, and uh, you're now doing the interview. You did not have to do this on uh, on what's been a long day. So, thank you so much for taking some time. Uh, we look forward to uh, seeing what the team's going to do. Uh, continuing to listen to you, and we'll catch up again here in a month or so. Oh, awesome! Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I I, I appreciate it. You know, I, I, the Mudcats are very happy to be a part of everything that you guys have going on. The Brewers have going on. And- we're looking forward to a good season, and uh, yeah, anytime, just let me know. That is Greg Young, and we appreciate him taking a few moments. Again, he is the voice of the Carolina Mudcats, who have had a good start to the season. So the Brewers have their first off day of the year on Monday the 10th, and then they are going to go on the road for uh, three separate series. They play two games at Toronto, 
on Tuesday and Wednesday. Then they've got a four-game series at Cincinnati Thursday through Sunday, and then a three-gamer back against the Cubs at Wrigley Field. They are not back home again until Thursday the 20th when they welcome in the St. Louis Cardinals, and we'll see how they do. Again, they're sitting at 2-5, and five, and Toronto is a good team. Cincinnati's out to a really, really good start, and we know what the Cubs are, so the schedule makers did not do any favors for the Brewers in the early going. Of course, you can hear all the games on 620 WTMJ. That is it for this edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Thanks so much for putting up with my voice as I fight through a cold. Hopefully, I'll be fully healthy and sounding uh, back to normal uh, next week, but I'm very appreciative of both Kyle Lesneski from uh, Brew Crew Ball, the managing editor, and also uh, Greg Young for uh, for picking me up here on this uh, podcast today. This has been Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. We'll talk to you again coming up next week. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.